Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Three Point Jesus podcast. Uh, I'm Sam, along with my co-host, Jay, and uh, we're recording this on uh, Saturday afternoon, just a few minutes after Notre Dame's uh, loss to Boston College that uh, we'll get to in a little bit, but uh, final second, a little more interesting than I think we had anticipated there, Jay. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it feels like we finally got a call that was a bad one in our favor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, of course, we did not capitalize on that good love, good fortune, but, um, you know, that's the luck of the Irish in 2024, I guess. Yeah, to, 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 to pull listeners behind the curtain, I, we were texting towards the end of the game, sort of getting ready to hop on, and I had literally sort of got uh, grabbed my computer, like stood up, ready to go down to my basement to, to get all set up, and then... I'm just sort of standing there in the middle of my living room holding five different things when I see Kevin and Jai get a shot at the top of the key that, that could have sent the game to overtime. But uh, instead, we're here to talk about um, a, a couple of losses uh, this past week for Notre Dame, a, uh, a 73-61 loss to Miami on Wednesday night coming off the nine-day layoff, um, and then a, a 61-58 loss to BC uh, on this Saturday afternoon. Um, moves the Irish to two and seven in the ACC and uh, seven and 13 overall. Um, you know, I don't know about you, like, I think broadly speaking, I think, you know, I'm still fairly positive about the direction of the program and, and everything, but I think this week was um, kind of one of the more disappointing weeks we've had definitely since the calendar flipped to, to 2024. You know, these were games that I thought um, Notre Dame was going to have a chance to win at home. Uh, if the trajectory kept pointing up and instead, you know, it was a sort of sound loss to Miami. Uh, and then, you know, it was close at the end, but Notre Dame would have been extremely lucky to even force overtime given sort of the way, the way we played against BC. Yeah. I mean, we talked uh, end of last pod about, Hey, you know, both Miami and BC kind of had difficult road trips heading into South Bend um, and how, given how decently well the team had been playing, we felt like we should probably win one of these games. Um, and obviously that did not come to fruition. Um, and yeah, today, especially against BC, as we'll get into was, was pretty frustrating, but um, you know, it's, it's a team where if Burton ain't rolling, um, the Irish aren't rolling. And this was not his best week. It's, he seems a little gassed. He seems like a freshman in January. So um, you know, they don't have the, the talent across the board to, to compensate quite yet. Um, but yeah, this, this was a frustrating week and, um, you know, you don't love to lose two in a row, but both at home and, and both the teams that we feel like we can beat on a given day, you know, it feels like, especially like Boston college, I mean, I feel like we play them 10 times. We, we <laughs> win five or six. Right. But, right. um, obviously that didn't happen. They, they, they beat us twice. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, and, and it's one of those things where, um, this season is not going to be judged by the win-loss record, whether it's a success or not. But, you know, you want to win games. You want to sort of keep keep the momentum going and, and really feel like you're seeing the results of, of what you're putting in. And, and when you lose these two games, you know, you look at the next three, and we'll get, you know, we'll get to this at the end, but road trips to Virginia, Pitt, and Duke coming up, like, that, that's going to be really that's going to be really tough. Like, these are the ones you sort of have to, have to win if you want to bank a couple of wins. So, um, you know, like you said, it, it really does um, – Look more. I think we were sort of talking on the last show. I think we were hopeful that um, the nine-day layoff might be, you know, maybe able to do for the offense what the last long break around Christmas did for the defense. Um, coming out and getting the Virginia win right after that. Uh, instead, it, it it really is sort of looking to me like this is just 
um, a personnel issue offensively. Like there's, they just don't have um, the guys where if Burton isn't going, you know, someone who can sort of take the pressure off him from a, a ball handling from an attacking perspective. Um, so that, that, that might just be what it is this season. And we sort of have to wait for, um, for Sir Muhammad and Colser to show up next year to see if hopefully they can add a little something to the mix. Yeah. Obviously Shrews was, he was fed up today with the turnovers against BC. Yep. Um, yep. And yeah. took him out multiple times um, for turnovers, different kinds of turnovers, but um, you know, it was a turnover ridden week for Burton and, um, the Irish just, they, they can't compensate for that right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the turnovers against BC today, uh, the, what did you say? Four, I have, I have five here, but four or five, depending on where you're looking as they yep. finalize the stats. But, um, he had eight against Miami, which I think we can sort of use that to, to get into the Miami game, a 73, 61, uh, loss in South Bend to the Canes. Um, as I believe I mentioned earlier on this show, uh, I do have Marcus Burton on a college basketball fantasy team I'm in. So the eight turnovers against the Canes was like doubly killing for me in a week that I started him <laughs> uh, to, to try and get a win. So, um, you know, I think, it is, like I said, 73-61 loss. Notre Dame did lead um, up until, you know, about nine and a half minutes left in the second half. Notre Dame had a three-point lead. Uh, and then Miami rips off a, a 17-2 run to kind of <laughs> really end any hope that uh, that it was going to be a competitive game. But I think the story of this one um, really was Shrews' sort of lineup decisions, especially in the second half, going with a small lineup. Kerry Booth and uh, Keba and Jai did not play at all in the second half. Uh, Marcus Burton, Tay Davis, J.R., Julian Roper, uh, Logan Imes, and Braden Shrewsbury got all of the minutes in the second half, just a really small lineup. Um and when asked about it afterwards, uh, Micah Shrewsbury made it clear it was um, much more of an, an effort thing than a tactical decision. He said, quote, I would rather lose with dudes that are going to play the right way, that are going to build this culture, than win with somebody that's not doing it the right way. Not to say they haven't been. They've played really hard in other games. I hope this helps them play really hard against Boston College. Side note, we'll get to that. Uh, the same way they <laughs> sat and watched those dudes compete like that. Um so, you know, I, I, think, I think the small lineup played, played well for what it was, but when you have Norchad O'Meara on the other side, like, it's just not fair. Like, the, you know, and, and, and it's hard to disagree with Shrewsbury. Like, Kevin Jai was having a really, really tough time guarding Norchad O'Meara in the first half. So it's, you know, I'm not going to say he would have done any better. Um, but uh, I don't know. What did you think of sort of that decision and, the, and then his comments afterwards? I mean, I think if, if nothing else, it says we're building a culture this year rather than um, we're trying to win every game. Um, he's He's been sending messages ever since the Citadel, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, in the Citadel was was both in-game and post-game. His comments in several pressers since have, have, have stated that he's trying to build an accountability type of culture, and players who aren't going to play that way are going to be sad. Um, we saw that with Burton against BC. Um, we saw that with, with Keba and Kerry against Miami. Um, and, yeah, I, just bouncing off Omir, I mean, the dude was, first of all, in fuego, and second of all was getting whatever he wanted, basically. Mm-hmm. So when you have those things both going for for one player, it's, you know, the Irish just don't have the offensive firepower to to compensate. Uh, Asinar, uh, Ken Palm, 313th ranked <laughs> adjusted offensive um, program. 
Man, we are like a, a true half team right now. Um, <laughs> we're, we're the Iowa football of college basketball. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly right. Just, shout out to, we, the, to the solid verbal half team. Yeah. <laughs> we just got to get Brian Ferentz out of here and we're going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, it's it's shooting a message and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it, you know, I think there was a, another press conference earlier in the year. I want to say maybe Georgetown or, or sort of one of those games early on where, um, where Notre Dame you know, played hard and lost. And so when I asked that sort of, you know, I don't know if it was moral victories exactly, but he, he did say, you know, no, I want to win every game. And, you know, you got to say that in the moment, but that's, I think we all know that's not really the case. Like this is not, like I said earlier, this season's not going to be judged right. by wins and losses. Um, you know, I, I do think that you look at Norchad O'Meer and that, <laughs> This is one of those things that's like easy to say of like just go get the good players, but he's the type of dude that um, I think needs to be priority number one in the transfer portal this off season. Like just a, a big who has an offensive game down low. I, I I'm sort of yeah. souring a little bit on whether Kevin Jai is sort of gonna has the tools to develop into into what Notre Dame needs at the five spot. I, I'm just I, I'm not sure that that he does. Yeah, I, I think Keba is a backup center for yeah. college basketball. Yeah, that's per- yeah, that's is. exactly. And, <laughs> and um, you know, he you know he may have a game here or there where he's going to score you know ten twelve points and you know make five free throws for you, but um, that's you know he is not a starting center on a NCAA tournament you know challenging for a Sweet Sixteen kind of team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, look at looking around the rest of the box score from. Uh, from that Miami game, um, you know, Braden Shrewsbury had 10 points, 13 for JR. Uh, it, interestingly enough, despite going with a small lineup, Notre Dame actually um, outscored Miami in terms of points in the paint in the second half, uh, 14 to 10. I would not have pr- predicted that just from having watched the game. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it is interesting sort of beyond, obviously this wasn't the reason for sort of going with the small lineup, but it's interesting to sort of see that um, see Shrewsbury go with that as just as he sort of learns what he has on his roster, even though we're, you know, at the end of January now, like that, that's, that's why I think he said after the game, like that group hadn't practiced together. Um, but they, you know, uh, obviously, obviously they, they were on the court for the 17, two run that lost the game, but they also didn't totally embarrass themselves as, as sort of a downshifted lineup. So it'll be interesting to see if that, um, I think we saw a little bit of it against BC, but if, if that's sort of, um, a tool that, that Shrewsbury keeps in his bag for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I feel like what's interesting is the downshift in, in size lineup that you know Bray used to play all the time um, is re- really feels like a more offensive move, right? I mean, right. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm sure it's it's Shrews trying to get any sort of spark on the offensive end, really, um, probably part of it. But um, yeah, if you're if you're going to put that lineup out there and not score. Um, that defeats the whole purpose, right? So, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, this this team, you know, with Burton not going, not having a good week. I don't know if he, you know, he's a freshman. Maybe he needs some rest. He definitely needs some help. We all mm-hmm. know that. But um, yeah, it, you got to have a lineup out there to to try and score. And I think that's what Coach Ruse is is trying to find any combination of both effort and skill to to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, when you think about Burton and, and sort of the load he has to carry as a freshman, um, 
you know, I think a, an instructive comparison is to think back to Demetrius Jackson, um, who, who was a, you know, another local kid, um, a higher rated recruit than, than Burton was. Um, and he needed to, to like literally step away from the team for a while during his freshman year to kind of get, just sort of get his, I think it was his academic sort of get, get him, get his off court stuff in order. Um, and meanwhile, you know, Marcus Burton, you know, he's being asked to be the most important player on the team. So he, he, that's not something, I mean, obviously if he had to, he would, um, but just sort of as a reminder of like where freshmen usually are at this point in their college career, it's, um, it's sort of astounding how, how much Burton has on his plate and, you know, all things considered how well he's, he's handling it. And Demetrius had so many upperclassmen that were able to saddle the load. It's not like Demetrius put the team right. on his back as a freshman, like Burton is. Um, right. So factor that into the calculus on, you know, the, the, the toll that this ACC schedule is seemingly starting to mount on Burton. Right. Right. And I have, I have no doubt that, you know, like, like Demetrius Jackson, who came back and was the, the best player on a, uh, on an elite eight team a few years later. Um, I think Burton has that kind of potential as well. So um, I don't know anything else in the Miami game or, or, or you want to spin it forward and we can talk about what we just watched against, uh, against BC. Um, my altar of turnovers and free throws <laughs> real quick. Um, this was a game where both teams turned the ball over 15 times. Um, so I, I don't know that, you know, it's just one of those things that Notre Dame does not have the talent to compensate for excessive turnovers. And um, this is a game where maybe if you play a clean game and you only turn it over five times, maybe you win this game, right? If mm-hmm. you, you know, like BC did to us at their place, um, you know, they had a three turnover game and, and that helped them squeak out a close win against us. Maybe that's a similar kind of thing that could have happened here. Um, Ira shot well from the line as a percentage basis against uh, Miami, probably from going to that smaller lineup. Um, they were five for six, but uh, Miami was 13 of 17. Um, so percentage-wise, you know, great for us, but we're, we're not getting to the line at a at a, a high level either, especially when we put a, a smaller lineup out there like we did against the Canes. Yeah, and, and I think an important sort of point on the turnovers is that, you know, not all turnovers are created equal to. Um, 100%. You know, w- when Burton has eight of the 15, like that's especially problematic because it's not – you know, most of those are live ball, right? Exactly. They're live ball turnovers. And it's not, it, it's not like, Oh, you know, Keba fumbles it down low and their big guy gets it, but everyone has a chance to get back. It's like, you know, it, ball gets stolen at the point and Miami has a fast break. You know, Miami um, had, had 20 yeah, points off turnover, 20 points off turnovers to, to Notre Dame's 11. Um, so that's, that's really what kills you is those live ball turnovers on the perimeter that, that, you know, Burton had plenty of against the Canes. Um, and, and a handful today against BC as well. Yeah, exactly. So um, again, you know, spinning it forward to, to BC, Notre Dame loses uh, 61-58. Um, Notre Dame did have a, a, a sort of heave from Keba at the end to try and force overtime, um, but really it was it was a layup uh, by Jaden Zachary with 30 seconds left. Um, you know, they made it a four point game at that point, and that really sort of uh, you know, put, put the screws to Notre Dame after, um, you know, sort of a, a weird second half where I feel like Burton's like statistically wasn't as like, he didn't have the eight turnover. He had fewer turnovers against BC than he did against Miami, but it seemed like, again, sort of some of the decisions he was making, you would see Shrewsbury just like immediately react and go to the bench for 
Um, you know, talked on the broadcast trying to trying to split the ball screen. It sounded like that's something Strews explicitly told him. You're not allowed to try to do that anymore. Um, so so he yeah, tries to that do it. The fact that's in the public arena is surprising <laughs> to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now BC knows. All right, you don't got to prepare for that. Cool. Yeah. Well, and then and then a couple of plays later, you know, Burton goes back in the game and then you know turns it over and then commits a a, a really silly foul going back up the court. Um, yeah, when BC's yeah. already in the one and one as well. Right. Yeah. Good point. Um, so I, I was honestly I was surprised that that Burton came back in at all. I thought that I thought the message sent was going to be, you know, sit down for the rest of the game. We're going to win or lose this without you. Yeah. Um, pretty crucial sequence at the end of the game too, where you know Burton comes back in. We're down four. He gets the creates the and one. Um, of course, misses a clutch free throw. Um, the Irish are great at that. Um, but we do snag the offensive board, um, but but can't convert. And that was, you know, a time where we could have tied or taken the lead with a three. Um, it, it, we didn't even really get a look, as I recall. Um, yeah, it was basically a shot clock. A, a it, wasn't, JR, yeah, it wasn't really JR a shot clock over, violation, but it was basically right. a shot clock violation. Right. Um, which, man, you just, like, you just can't have that at that point in the game. And Maybe Shrews needs to call a timeout there, like we stated last pod. He's just, you know, this this team can't have an un- unscripted possession in a crucial moment of the game. Um, but yeah, the, the the scripted inbound play at the end of the game didn't work so great either. So um, yeah, frustrating loss. Um, game situations are never going to be the Irish's strength this year, mm-hmm. given that they're not going to win a lot of games nor have a lot of experience in that arena. Um, but. Uh, felt like a game where you know they contained Quentin Post really well. He falls out. He's not even really a factor in the game at all. Um, and uh, Irish still can't find a way to convert and uh, and win the ball game. Yeah, I, I was actually I was pretty impressed with um, sort of the basketball IQ for Notre Dame in the second half. Knowing Post was in foul trouble, I thought they did a good yeah. job of, of going after him. Like Roper um, got got I think his fourth, and then Jr. went I think it was Jr. that went at him and and ended up getting his fifth. And I, you know. <laughs> they just they don't really have the the horses to to make things happen at the rim, but you could tell they they knew what they wanted to do. Um, you know, Jr. I thought had some good looks from three that just didn't fall. He was two for eight from three, um, including one that would have I think cut, either cut it to one or tied it late. Um, that just yep. didn't fall. Uh, cut it to one. Yeah, and then um, you know Burton ends up five of ten, only ten points. Um, he did have seven assists, which is good to see. Um, but no, I, I think the Irish do not. They just like straight up don't get assists if it's not Burton. Yeah, I mean yeah. they they frequently have ten or less assists in a game, which is it's almost hard to do, honestly. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there are so many possessions where you watch and like again. I know I, I made this my hobby horse earlier, but like Kevin Jai is just holding the ball at the top of the key, waiting for someone to come, you know, do a dribble handoff with him. And, and you waste like 10 seconds doing that and everyone else is just kind of standing around. And so it's like, you're wasting time just to get the ball back to a ball handler who then again, if it's not Burton, like doesn't have the ability to go drive and get to the hoop and sort of get the offense going. Um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, Tay Davis, I, I kind of thought we would see more from him. I, I, I sort of, there's part of me that wonders if he's still sort of nursing an injury a little bit. He hasn't, um, yeah, he you hasn't know, looked the same. He, he hasn't looked the same since he's come back, uh, especially um, you know, given that he is always sort of the the ball handler uh, when Burton's off the court, which was obviously more the case today. I, I guess we saw Shrewsbury doing it a little bit towards the end too. Um, so, 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Just a, a tough loss. Um, you know, I, I don't know how many times we can say it. I guess one one interesting point that said as I'm looking at the box score again. Um, where, where do you think we are with Kerry Booth? I'm sort of I, I'm trying to figure out what 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 his role is, sort of what we can expect from him on a game-to-game basis. He started today against BC, but finished with no points, only one shot attempt, um, and I believe didn't play at all or only played um, uh, only played four minutes in the second half. Sort of, so sort of for the second consecutive game, Shrewsbury didn't like what he saw in the first half from him. Yeah, it seems like the most you know, the hardest player to get a, a, a grip on how Shrews really feels about him. Um, feels like certain games and, you know, I'm sure some of it is, you know, effort and if you're a freshman learning and, and, and some of it could be matchups as well. But, um, you know, th- this felt like a game with, with posts, not really a, a factor. Um, obviously they struggled offensively for a good chunk of this game. Um, yeah, just felt like a game where Kerry should get some minutes. Um, you know, certainly more than 15. I mean, he's, I feel like Logan Imes is, is getting more minutes than him most nights nowadays. Um, yeah. Yeah, Logan Ives had, had seven second half minutes to, to boost four in this one. Um, yeah, and I, shout out Logan Ives. The, the dude just plays under control. He's such a nice, like, role player that just understands, like, yeah, if he's got a wide open look, he's going to take it. Not, not going to make all of them, but um, I feel like he, he really plays within himself, which, which is valuable on a team that doesn't have, um, you know, a ton of experience. Yeah, he's one of those guys that I, I'm sort of – growing more and more to believe that he sort of can be a a rotation a, a rotation guy on a on a you know w- once this team gets good and is you know an NCAA tournament team like i think ju- junior logan imes can be the 7th or 8th probably the 8th guy on an NCAA tournament team and that that'd be a yep. good place to be um tough night for roper today Over yeah four. over I, two from three i was going to say one thing before we move on from booth like my, my only thought with him is like I said it before, but like he, him rebounding is just such a breath of fresh air when you see it because yeah. I, I feel like in the first half there were so many instances of like the ball bouncing around. You know, Jai's not going up hard for it. He's kind of trying to grab rebounds around his chest, and then Booth comes in the game and there's a miss shot and he just skies with both hands and grabs it above the rim and it's like man that is that's what you want to see. So you know, hopefully he yeah, can figure boards, out whatever it is. Um, Three to, boards, to get two more blocks time. in his in his limited minutes today. Yeah, in fourteen minutes total. So that's yeah. Um, yeah. that's. Yeah, ho- I agree with you. I, to me, it seems like look, you're gonna you're gonna have growing pains with Burton, and he, you know, you, you're gonna have that with Kerry Booth as well. I feel like I don't know. Um, at this point, I feel like we kind of know what we got with Keba. I'd like to kind of figure out what we have with Kerry Booth or what we might have in the future. Yeah, and I wonder if it if it is you know if Shrewsbury sees it as an effort thing. I think. Um, you know, for for whatever sort of Burton's mental mistakes are, I don't think you can fault him from an effort perspective, given sort of everything that he Certainly. sort of has to handle. So, um, you know, Shrewsbury season is really an effort thing, and that's sort of um, you know point number one to get Booth on the floor. Then, then I sort of get it, and I also I, I sort of keep having to remind myself like this is all just very different for Notre Dame basketball. Like I think on a on a Mike Bray team, Kerry Booth wouldn't even be playing, um, and so just the fact that. He is uh, he's out there, and we're sort of getting to see a little bit of, of that potential. Um, sort of, you just sort of have to readjust to, to what the expectations are, I guess. Yeah, no, it's it's fair. Um, but to your point, I feel like he's our best rebounder. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, no no question. 
um, like I, I think I think he I think I think he is probably our only I, I would call him like a, our only plus rebounder. You know, everyone else yeah. is fine, um, but he, he's the only guy they, that they, they're you know they're a good rebounding team. They they rebound by committee. But it feels like if Kerry Booth is getting starters minutes, he's probably going to walk away with ten boards most nights. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. I, I think I'm I'm interested to see what the front court looks like next year overall. Whether it's you know some mix of Booth or Keba or you know I I really hope that um, they pursue something in the portal. You know maybe we'll see what what Garrett Sundra if he's um, if he's ready. I think he's sort of generally expected to be the, the rawest of the three freshmen coming in. So. Um, I think that I think I think we can all sort of, you know, you can sort of see what the backcourt rotation is going to be like. But up front, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it in the off season. But that, that, that's going to that's going to be an interesting question, I think. Yeah, it doesn't feel like we have a single big man that has an offensive game, right? To, to basically any any degree inside right. at least. You know, Kerry Booth can hit a three, pop pop out and hit a three every once again. But yeah, we got no one that's that's going to work in the post. Right, and I think that, and I think you saw that. Definitely today against BC and, and in a lot of games where Notre Dame, where Burton particularly has struggled, is like, you know, teams can be really aggressive defensively on the perimeter because there's no one, no one inside that makes them that can make them pay. Um, you know, if you, you have like a Paul Atkinson type on this team who who can sort of go get a one on one bucket uh, on a clear out down low, um, that's a totally different ball game. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that's something. You know, look, Micah Shrewsbury knows a hell of a lot more about basketball than we do, so I'm sure he's not. Uh, not numb to that fact, so it'll be interesting to see how he tries to address it uh, this off season and, and going forward. Yeah. Um, uh, should we spin it forward to? Uh, yeah. Boy, I do not want to talk about these upcoming games. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, well, but, we know we're going to beat Virginia by twenty. Oh yeah, of course, Virginia. <laughs> Virginia, who today beat Louisville. Uh, the final score of Virginia game against Louisville today is not all that remarkable. They won 69 to 52. Although I guess Virginia is scoring 69 points. That's a lot for them. Um, yeah. But at halftime, Virginia was up 41 to 13 on the Cardinals. 41 to 13. So remember when you're watching the Notre Dame BC game today and, and you know, it was 23, 23 at half. And you're like, man, this is a rock fight. This is a ugly offensive basketball. Imagine <laughs> having 10 fewer points than that in a half. Don't say it too loud, or that could be outside of Wednesday's sale. Yeah, no, I, I, I think um, going down to Charlottesville against a UVA team that is going to be focused because you know this team beat you by twenty-two the last time you played. I, look, I, I'm hopeful. Mike Shrewsbury is a great coach. Notre Dame, like, has not been. You know, I'd say the Miami game this week was probably the most like outclassed. I think we've looked in an ACC game so far this year. Um, yep. and, and even that, you know, we were ahead with nine thirty left in the second half. So, um, we haven't been like blown out in any ACC game so far this year, but that's going to be a really tough one on Wednesday night. Yeah. It feels like most of these ACC games, Notre Dame comes to play with the exact level of effort and talent to equal their opponent, but not win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, Virginia aside, um, close loss to NC State, Duke in it till the end, overtime against Georgia Tech, and then you know the last quartet of games uh, that we, you know, we have been in it, give or take, with with five or ten minutes left, and just have come out on the wrong side. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, now some of that. Now, granted, some of that's a function of of the tempo that Notre Dame plays at. Like when you have the 329th 
fastest tempo in, in Division <laughs> One. Like, there just aren't enough possessions to some degree. But you would think at some point, given sort of the the, the struggles that we've talked about, there, there would have been a more a, a blowout loss in there somewhere. And it's, and it's a credit to this team that there hasn't been. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, it's obviously intentional by Coach Roos. Oh yeah, is what he's working with, but. Um, yeah, just to, to some of the stats that Sam and I are throwing out from Ken Palm, um, there's 360 teams um, that are ranked uh, in Ken Palm, and Notre Dame being in the 310 to 320s on a lot of offensive metrics um, should let everybody know just how much of a half team the Irish currently are. And if they get a night where they shoot well, a la Virginia, they can. it feels like they can beat most teams because the defensive effort and rebounding has been there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so stay tuned. Maybe that'll be Virginia round two. On Wednesday. Yeah. So, so Virginia round two on, on Wednesday and then, uh, heading to, uh, my old stomping grounds, uh, of Pittsburgh on Saturday. Um, Pitt's, Pitt's been sort of a weird team this year. I think, um, there's sort of some expectations for Jeff Capel coming into the year. Um, but then they, they've sort of lost to every half decent team they played, uh, for, for most of the season, uh, up until last Saturday when they go down and, and get a four-point win uh, at Cameron Indoor against Duke. Um, and then they, they beat Georgia Tech to follow that up. They play Miami. I don't think that game has happened yet. They, yeah, that game, they play Miami today. So, um, you know, that's a game that uh, it's going to be tough. Like, it's, it's, a road, it's an ACC road game against a quality opponent. If not, like, I don't think Pitt's an NCAA tournament team, but they're competent. And um, you know, have some good players. Blake Hinson is, is the guy who who killed Duke, went seven for seven from three. They also have a uh, you know good freshman point guard in, in Bub Carrington. So um, it could be fun to see him and Burton go head to head. That could be sort of um, a point guard matchup we could see in the ACC for a few years. But um, yeah, that's one that it's not Virginia and it's not Duke, which comes after it. But that uh, you know, the Pete is still a tough place to get a win. Yeah. Um, as we said last week, it felt like we should win one of Miami or Boston College. And um, after the, how the last week went, um, and the fact that both these games are on the road, now you're just kind of hoping, hey, let's let's maybe pull one of these out um, before we got to go to Cameron next week. Yeah, I think I think realistically, like just looking looking at the schedule, it's tough to see a win in these next three. I, I would love to be surprised. We obviously were you know, against Virginia the first time. Um, but after these three, then it's, then they have sort of back-to-back home games against Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech. And that, um, you know, is, is hopefully when things are going to settle in. I, I, it's really unfortunate that we don't play Louisville until uh, February 21st. That's, uh, you know, it's like playing DePaul in the old Big East. You just, you just like having that game on your schedule just as a matter of comfort. Although I guess Ken, yeah. Ken Palm has this as a one point underdog at Louisville. So maybe I, I shouldn't speak too loudly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's look, the season's going to be a slog. I think the things that I'm going to be interested in looking for in these next couple of games is how is Burton's composure, you know, is, is the way that he played this week and the way that Shrewsbury addresses him and coaches him up in the coming games going to help him clean up his mistakes, especially going on the road. Um, you're not going to win at Virginia, at Pitt, or at Duke if you turn the ball over 15 times. It's right. not going to happen. So um, I'll be curious to see, can they clean that up? And even if they come up short, 
um, show some improvement in that part of their game. I think that's something that I'm going to be looking at more big picture trends wise. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And I, and I think also like I want to, as I watch these games, I want to try and separate out, you know, how much Burton is, is sort of wearing down physically, which I, th- I think, I think we talked about, it and I think you, you would agree is definitely happening sort of given where we are in the schedule and the, the burden he shouldered this season versus like, if that's happening, okay, that's something that's going to happen this year. We sort of need to live with that and not letting that sort of derail any progress the rest of the year. Like if, yeah. if Burton's hit a wall, okay, you know what? We, we sort of have to live with that. That's not going to be the case every year. Hopefully that won't be the case next year. Um, but that can't, that can't sort of derail the whole season and, and, and let us not make any progress. So, um, you know, in some ways, you can't, it, let, you can't let the bottom fall out. Exactly, exactly. And, and in some ways, it could be an opportunity. Like, I, I think it'll be interesting. I, you know, we talked about um, before we hopped on, one, one thing that I think is sort of interesting is looking at, you know, who, who becomes that primary ball handler when it's not Burton. Obviously, Tay Davis is sort of the, the number two. Um, but then after that, it's really been, you know, Logan Imes, Braden Shrewsbury a little bit today. I, I'm sort of intrigued that it, it really hasn't been um, Konetsny because, you know, he's a guy that I know he sort of typically plays at, usually, usually he's like the three guy in the, in the, uh, on the floor, but um, he can get to the hoop. He, he can, you know, break guys down off the dribble. I, I'd be interested to see if they give him a chance to sort of be that lead ball handler a little bit. Um, and sort of to that end, if they sort of try and, t- you know, let Burton play off the ball more when he is on the court. Because I think it's one thing when, okay, you got to get him two minutes on the bench or whatever. Um, so, so Davis is going to take the ball up. I think it'd be a big help if we can get to a point where, Hey, you know, you're going to get those two minutes. And then also that you're going to get a, a five minute stretch where you're on the court, but you're playing off the ball. You don't have to bring it up the court. You, you can sort of go hunt your shot a little bit more. Um, yeah. so I, I think that'll be, I mean, <laughs> we say all that and then, uh, doing that against Virginia is going to be challenging, <laughs> obviously. But, um, you know, when we get into to the pit and, and the Duke games, I think those will be sort of things to watch out for. Yeah. Um, so. um, cool. All right. Anything, anything else? else? Yeah, I was going to say, anything else you want to hit on before we uh, we hit the road? And, uh, start? you know, I know uh, you have a, a football game that you're going to be watching uh, tomorrow afternoon. So um, h- how are you feeling? Oh, I, to- I totally forgot about that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, those of you that are Lions fans or in the Detroit area, cherish it. Um, I don't know if you've seen Sam, but at Red Wings games, the Pistons game today, everyone's chanting Jared Goff uh, <laughs> nice. at, at other Detroit sporting events. So um, if that doesn't say we've been starved of any sort of success, I don't know what does. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, as a Jets fan, I can only hope that one day uh, <laughs> my team will you know, remember what a playoff game is. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, good luck. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. And uh, I think we'll probably be back to talk to you uh, next week would be the plan. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes or Spotify or whatever you listen on. And, uh, you know, tell your friends that you love the Three Point Jesus podcast. And uh, we'll try and keep, keep building this thing. Stick with us. Stick with the Irish through the, uh, the thin here so you can be with us when it's thick in a few years here. And Coach Shrews has got the boys humming. Go Irish, everybody. <laughs>